The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired on April 9th, 2008, and this was the original title, Podcast, Learn English or Else, and this was the description. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time or at least the tutorial lessons. Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discuss the judge's controversial ruling of learn English or else. Also on the agenda is corporate espionage, internet regulation, and just a dash of workers' comp. Listen in, download, and enjoy. And you too, dear listener, can hear what we said way back on April 9th, 2008, after this special message. Critical race theory supports the logic that all whites are born racist and oppressors by nature. They are to be viewed as a collective threat to non-white people and beyond redemption. This sentiment is already infecting the American workplace via racial sensitivity and diversity trainings. Despite the obvious controversy, such trainings are being accepted as just and fair and at an alarming pace across corporate America. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is an ebook that I wrote. In it, I do three things. One, I explain the basics of critical race theory. Two, I demonstrate how critical race theory is negatively affecting the American workplace. And three, I hope, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I inspire a resistance to critical race theory being taught in the workplace. In light of the increased sensitivity to recent events like the George Floyd protests, the emergence of council culture, and the pressures on corporations to adhere to political correctness, the information in my ebook, Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace, is a counterbalance that should be carefully considered prior to new investments in diversity training. Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is a free resource that can be downloaded and, by all means, shared with those in your network. A download link is available in the podcast description. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Martin, and, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry, and it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. SGA Executive Tracker Pro is an online service providing contact information on thousands of executives at each of the top public and private companies. And here it is, people. It is 100%, yes, 100% telephone verified, constantly updated, highly accurate, and comprehensive. With SGA Executive Tracker Pro, you have at your fingertips the contact information of C-level executives and all of those essential director and management level personnel that you just can't seem to find anywhere else. Listen up, people. SGA Executive Tracker Pro can dramatically 
shorten the amount of time it takes you to find the best leads. Hey, pick up the phone right now and give them a call. Tell them Jim Strauss said, I could have a free 15-minute online demonstration of your product, and I want to see it right now. The number you need to make that happen is 518-843-4611. That's 518-843-4611. And, of course, you can also find them online at www.sgaexecutivetracker.com. Affinity Circles is the leading provider of exclusive social networks for established professional organizations seeking to promote career advancement opportunities among their members. Today, preferred employers such as Merrill Lynch, Oracle, and TiVo are using Affinity Circles to source qualified passive candidates from over 140 top-tier organizations like Stanford, Dartmouth, and Golden Key Honor Society. To learn more, visit AffinityCircles.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y Circles.com. And now, on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Your host, Jim Stroud of the Recruiters Lounge, here and sitting next to me, as always, as she should be. It's Karen Matten. How are you, Karen? Hi, Jim. How are you? And then I'm doing fine. What about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I'm sort of laughing. I was sort of chuckling at this video you sent me um, it, it's about the job market 2009. It's for people. I'm gonna put a link on the uh, podcast on the blog post where this podcast is being held. But there is a uh, a video that that Karen sent me from uh, off of YouTube that shows the Spanish uh, worker <laughs> drive up, and he looks like the uh, stereotypical. Uh, migrant work or day labor. In reverse. Yeah, he drives up in his truck, and as he drives up, there are people standing on the curbside in business suits and uh, looking like corporate America, and they stand there, they're looking at him kind of crazy. So he gets out of the truck, and he says, okay, uh, I need an accountant. And they jump up, and he says, okay, you get on the truck. <laughs> or I need, um, what did he ask for, Karen? Uh, CPA with uh, this, this, and the corporate. Everybody's right. fighting for the position. They're all like, oh, no, I want to know. It's my turn. It's like this huge fight, you know. Yeah, and he, and he tells them to get on the truck. It's sort of it's, it's done in reverse. But I, I, I thought it was amusing, but I didn't get the, the punchline of it. What was the punchline of it? I think the major punchline was how, I mean, seriously, a lot of this is to do with what we were talking about, but the punchline is how we, things are changing. We've so taken all our jobs overseas that now our, um, the foreigners are the ones who are now holding the bag for us. Oh, that's the point they were making. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like, remember that comment I would write to you guys a long time ago? It was about a couple of months ago where they were saying that in about 20 years that all of our heavy-duty, white-collar, commercial I mean, service jobs are going to be, you know, recruited out to foreigners or into foreign land. I've, I've heard, I remember you saying that, and I've read things like that, but even though they may outsource a lot of different things, I, I don't really see how you can outsource creativity, or I don't see how some companies will outsource sensitive roles. Like if you are, um, I don't know, um, I don't know, what am I thinking, some kind of technology role or maybe even a, a sub certain accounting roles. I mean, you don't want the secret sauce out across somewhere else. You know, you certain the things you want to do inside of the company. Here's the sad part that already has been done. You're, right now your credit is being outsourced in India. 
really? you have your credit information. They already are doing that. And by the way, we've already had some issues of um, of breaking into people, hacking in from all these foreigners of your information. Now, see, that's, that's scary. That's about yeah. as scary to me as as when I read about um, this, uh, this manufacturing company in China. Mm-hmm. They uh, produce computers. And they um, they test them once they're assembled, and they ship them over uh, to the United States. I, I forget what company they do it for, whether it's Dell or some evil. other. But, but when they're <laughs> testing these, when they're testing these computers, um, viruses are getting in them. So when you buy the computer, they're viruses. Now they're not doing it on purpose, but um, if they are testing computers with software that they don't know is infected, some kind of computer virus, they're just spreading it out to you on a brand new computer. Well, somebody did that intentionally. They just the corporate headquarters said that they don't know is what probably is the truth, or maybe they didn't really know. No, I, I, from what I've read, when I saw it, it was it was purely unintentional. But well, the thing about that it had concerned me. With the virus. Yeah, the thing that concerned me was that what if that kind of thing was was um, uh, certain plants were compromised and terrorists, you know, specifically targeted certain computers that are coming here to the states and put viruses in them. But it is happening. Not on the not on the scale that it could be, and, uh, and even on what I said, that was like a way, way. Maybe it was the way they spun in the article, but when I read it, it, it seemed like a very isolated incident. That okay, is not now, um, do you did you ever hear? I think it's Estonia. Did you ever hear about that one country that completely had gotten hacked by Russia? Yeah. And, you, was it Estonia? Yeah. Which one do you remember? What it was? I, I don't know, but it was an Eastern Eastern European country. Yeah, um, it was like shut down for like a whole day, right? No, oh, no, 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 a couple it days. Was down for three weeks. Okay, three I don't read. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was three weeks. I, it was in Wired magazine. Yeah, I read about it in Wired magazine. Yeah, I mean, this country, the whole country, this affected them financially so badly. Even supermarkets, drop lights, traffic lights. I mean, think about it. Everything we do has computerized, right? Yeah, it was like an apocalyptic kind of. Yeah, because of some, I believe it started because of a statue or something like that, that the Russians got pissed off because these guys had begun their, gained their independence. They're more consistent, consist, considered westernized now rather than easternized, okay? Hmm. In fact, I do believe that their president has American ties. Hmm. If you ever heard this man speak, he sounds like, looks like a total American. Or he watches a lot of our TV. No, maybe so. I don't know. This guy, I think, is an American, okay? But don't quote me completely, but he does. Well, but you can go watch him yourself and make your decision, okay? Well, but you know, now you guys see me the link accent. people can see for themselves what we're talking about. Well, pardon? Now you guys see me the link to, to this. We'll look up, we'll look up this story and link to it. From the Actually, book. I remember how I found out again was when mm-hmm. I put country and then um, cyber terrorism. So you can, viewers, want to do it really quickly, you can go ahead and watch I'm talking about this. I'll see back. I'll, I'll, yeah, keep talking, and I'll see if I can find it. Okay, there you go. So anyways, I mean, it does happen. It is happening. A lot of the times we don't even know when it's happening. I mean, look, for example, Washington State, mm. here in San Diego, your state, driver license bureaus had been hacked into. Yeah, but they sort of play that down. You don't really. Yeah, you, they sort of play it down because, understandably so, you don't want to advertise. Right. I mean, schools. I mean, literally millions and me- millions of people's names have been compromised on a year. What, what about what happened with the veterans of America because of that one particular com- computer who right. got compromised? It was like what three hundred million? Wait, was it thirty million? Whatever was it? How was a ridiculously high number, right? Mm. All these vets 
all their information had been compromised. I found the article we were talking about. It's, Thank you. The article here, I'm finding it, is, is from the, uh, the Guardian. The, the headline is, Russia accused of unleashing cyber war to disable Estonia. It was Estonia. I, 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 and it was from May 07. It was not recent. But I, did, I do remember it. That's that. recent. That's a year, less than a year ago. Yeah, well, I mean, recent as far as a few weeks ago. But, oh, okay. You know, it's not. This story is from May 07. So it is sort of recent, but not very, very recent. Think about it. Something that massive. Yeah. How few people know about this. And that's scary. I Why do they keep playing down something as important as that? Because that shows how easy it could even happen to us. I tell you what else is scary. Now this is more recent than that. I know why we get into this technology talk, but you know how uh, I think it was I think it was Pakistan recently had blocked YouTube um, because of something that they showed that they didn't think it was very nice to show in their country, and they ended up blocking YouTube for like everybody. <laughs> you remember was it Pakistan or was it China? I know China does censorship censorship all the time. I think it was I want to say Pakistan had blocked YouTube and ended up blocking for everybody for like several hours. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I didn't hear about this one. All right, I'll, I'll keep talking while I look it up. Okay. But <laughs> see, we really should be more prepared when we talk to these shows. That's but, okay. At least we come up to some. We were pretty close to all the information, though. That's what counts. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna look to see. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Hey, here you go. I was man. I'm good. See how okay. good he is, guys. I'll, he just wanted the opportunity to show off his skills. <laughs> it was cited in the BBC News on February 26th, and um, it was Pakistan. Okay. It was Pakistan. The short. I'll put a link to it on, on the blog post on the blog post for this podcast as well. But the long and short of it is, Pakistan didn't like something they saw on YouTube, so they blocked it. But but when they blocked it, they did it in such a way that everybody couldn't get into YouTube uh, for a period of time. It was done by accident. It was sort of like a perfect storm kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they could do it again intentionally, but it did happen. And I, I think it's interesting that someone in another country can block other countries across the across the. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, for us, it's so naive. Some people say, oh, we won't be able to regulate the Internet. I'm like, do you know how easy it would be to regulate the Internet? No, I don't don't know that's easy. I wouldn't say it's easy. You've got different countries all over the world. Each one has their own tax situation. Yeah, so? Then you got the uh, different valuations of the dollar or the euro or the, or the rupee There's or whatever. There's so many servers, that, big servers that things come through, okay, especially in the United States. If you're sending me information, I'm sending you information, it's coming through some particular service, and that's so easy to regulate. So you're saying you, you regulate it by whatever country the, the server is host, wherever the server is that's hosting the website? I don't think so. I don't think you have to do it that far either. I mean, like, for example, let's say the government wanted to regulate anything that is in America, all right? Right. Oh, in America, well, talk about more outsourcing. Heck, if this is going to cost me money to to operate here, I'll just set up a server in in, in um, Estonia, it still not Estonia, has to come back or Russia, America or not, Serbia. So it what now? Not, it still has to come back into America. It still has to come right. in. Right, if, but if the actual heart, property is being destroyed. Your phone lines, it's still using your cables. But if the actual server where the signal is coming from is in another country, then why should I'd be liable to pay because of interstate commerce, because of that. That's overstate. It's international. Gonna get lost on this here, okay? For example, just because I have a business in, say, Utah, Hmm. okay, but I'm calling somebody in New York. But that's our country. You're still in the United States. What if calling somebody and they're in in um, Serbia? 
Okay, so let's say your computer is in Serbia, but your presence, your physical presence, presence is in New York. Yeah. You're still in New York territory. But not the server itself. Doesn't matter. You physically, you're still in New York. Okay, let's say I'm looking at a website right now, and the server is in Serbia, and uh, and do I have to pay taxes or be aware of Serbian tax laws here in the states, even though? I'm here in the States, the actual server is somewhere else. I mean, well, you're going to have to definitely be aware of your tax laws. And, yes, Serbia could possibly come after you depending on their tax laws. I know for a fact that like in the Caribbean, Caribbean says, hey, just because you're in America, if you're doing business in the Caribbean, you still have to pay us taxes too. And then I also have to pay California taxes because I live and reside in tax in California. So, like for a lot of these companies who try to do shelters, like let's for example use Tyco. Right. Why do you think Tyco got in some trouble for this? Hmm. They try to put this little Bermuda or was it Bahamas little you know office that was about the size of a shoebox, okay? Mm-hmm. And they called this little office their headquarters. But their actual real-life headquarters were in Florida. Huge, massive building, right? Yeah. But they try to do this as a tax shelter. Well, uh-uh. doesn't work that way. Mm. You, you, you can try to get around it, but they still come after you. I, I think it's all kind of wacky. And I tell you something else that's kind of wacky, since we're on, on news stories. Uh-huh. There were these guys um, uh, who happened to be Spanish. Okay. Um, they were uh, on the street somewhere in, in Pennsylvania, and they accosted uh, two men. And, uh, well, I can't really say allegedly because they went to court and everything. So they jumped on two guys and said, hey, you got any marijuana? Empty your pockets. And when they emptied their pockets, they hit them aside the head and said, get out of here. And they showed them their gun, and the guys, you know, ran away. Well, the um, the, the kids who did this, and I say kids because they're 17 to 22 in age, it was four of them, uh, they got caught by the, by the police. And when it got time to be sentenced for their crime, uh, this judge, who had a reputation for creative sentencing, said, you know what, instead of sending you directly to jail, as I suppose I should, um, instead of convicting you for uh, conspiracy to commit robbery and, and other things, I'm going to finish you to learn English. And you will have to learn English, earn a GED, and get a full-time job by a certain, certain amount of time, I think within a year. Mm-hmm. And if you, don't have, if you don't know English in a year, if you don't have a GED, and if you don't have a job, then you're going to go to jail. For, for at least two years. For two years, yeah. For at least two years. I think they got off so easy. Well, yeah, they got off. So there's the issue. I mean, I'm like, okay, is the ACL you going to have a field day with this or not? Oh, uh, so hey, you're like, oh, I know you. They're not always my favorite people. And I like them, by the way. But uh, I know you. I thought, okay, look, I mean, first off, being forced to have to speak English, I. Yeah, no, no, no. America. I mean, now. Uh, now, wait, 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 now, hold on. You can't afford it. But what? when I listen, read the sentence, and I thought, but dang, they did get off light. They hit somebody upside the head. Yeah. All their money. So they were. So like it's like you said. I think if he came and said, "Look, you got a choice: be you forced, you know, speak English or go to jail longer." I guess maybe, but I mean, you're still, but you're still making someone. Be forced to speak English. Well, see, this I think with the judge, and I'm, I'm going to try to step inside the judge mindset because I don't know, I'm not this this judge, but I think the judge looked at these kids and said, you know what, I can send them to jail, and their life is they're already on the way down and out. Mm-hmm. Put them in jail, they're only going to come out, you know, worse or criminals. Which is what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah, like so he's giving so the judge is really yeah. giving them giving them a second chance. Yeah. Really. You mean, and I see that as I see that good point. It's like, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity to try to. Improve yourself by speaking English, which, by the way, that's a total stereotype, 
Okay. Well, these are spirits that in this sense they did not speak English when they were when they were in jail, when they were being sentenced. They had to have a translator there. Okay. Now let me bring. They spoke no here. English. At least, okay. at least that's how they played it. I mean, let maybe me they did. Let me play it this way. You're black, and you have been told that you either learn you cannot speak pneumonics. Well, I don't speak. And you must. Anything. I'm not talking about you, and, but um, this like the person's black, and they're told you cannot speak pneumonics. You have to learn to speak English fluently, properly, and without any. That's not um, the same thing. Very well. That's not the same thing. That's it is like, the same thing. That's like saying um, it's it's just a dialect of English. You can still understand them in some to oh, some capacity. Oh. Just like if you go into, it's like you're in the South, and someone says. Uh, hey, you all come over here. Y'all come over here. No, come if, on. There are if someone would understand what they're saying, even though you're not familiar with that particular dialect. I went, I, English. Went to, I went to Missouri, and I'm sorry. When I was up in Missouri, there were some people up there. I could not understand a lick of what they were saying. The dialect was throwing you. But it, it was English. Throw, no, no, it was the nebonics that was throwing me. I had no, no clue and how they spoke when what the words they were using. I've never really listened to the street nebonics. And so the factor is is that, yeah, these individuals, I mean, I could not comprehend a single word that they were saying. So I'm looking at it this way. You know, you, if you, we're in America, and you mm-hmm. should not be forced to speak any, any words or any how, you know. You have a civil rights well, English is the language of the United States. It's actually, and it's, it's sort of the official business language of business, too. Yeah, this is why this is tough, because I kind of agree with what the judge did. I really, really do. So don't get me wrong, guys, because to me, I look at it as, hey, you know, he really is giving them an opportunity to try to, you know, push, them, push the envelope and to try to better themselves. But then again, he's also making a judgment call, though. He's trying to say that unless you learn English, you won't be better. Well, it to me the judgment call. Unless they do, unless they learn English, their quality of life is is not going to be That's as well as it could. Because there is a lot. Okay, the guy who's still okay. You know the English is a cycle. That English, um, uh, that Spanish channel on yeah, Telemundo or Univision. Oh yeah, right. The guy's multi, multi hundred, two thousand millionaire. Do you think he speaks English very well? I don't know. Maybe yeah, yeah. he doesn't. Okay. And now, what about also, what's her name? Um, now, now, not speaking English does that mean you cannot be successful, is what I'm saying. Exactly, and that's kind of like what he's kind of making a judgment call on. He's making that assumption by saying... Well, let me ask you this. You take the... this, And I don't want to be stereotypical at all, but you take um, an average um, Spanish-speaking person here in the country, mm-hmm. more likely than not, they know some English. Absolutely. Because you have to know it to be... Uh, to get around in this in this country, just like if I went to France and I don't speak any French, I I have to learn it if I'm gonna get around at least to go to the store or find out where to get. No, no, it, actually, like, no. Then you are being strict. Then you haven't lived in California and you haven't lived in Texas. There's a lot of little communities that people actually live and work in, and they can't speak one lick of English. I mean, but you know what? But you know what? That's that's limiting limiting their potential. Is it? I mean, again, like, are we not I being heard of because they but, sell to their own, they live in their own, and they work in their own? I mean, that's again. That's true. We, but look how much money you could make. You, well, look how much money you could make if you go outside your community. And maybe they don't want to. I mean, again, what we are saying is, let's look at this here, okay? And I, I, I'm enjoying what you're saying here, but what you perceive to be successful may not be what somebody else perceives as successful. Somebody may perceive making five hundred dollars a year, um, a month. A success. That's true too. 
So, you know, this, again, is very, very subjective. What his comment was, to me, it, his, what he did, what he stated, I, I agree with what he did. Just I gave think him a lifeline. really great intent. Just gave but, him a lifeline. But it is, to me, I, I also see an issue of where it could be considered to be very subjective he, and also very stereotypical. Because he's saying, unless you learn English, you will not, or unless you get a GED, you might not amount to anything. Well, and that's kind of what he's saying. Um, you got to have a GED. It's like next thing he'll say, well, you got to go to college. Now he you got to go to college. Right, it's the same thing. Hey, you no, got to say you you gotta, I mean, you got to have a basic understanding of reading, writing, reading, writing arithmetic, and, and, and whatever else. You can do that without having to have a GED. Well, you can do get a GED without having to go into school. And you can also have but a you, high school diploma and not read a, write, a, read a word of English. I mean, it does, what I'm saying is. True, but when you have a GED, you have at least some semblance that you've accomplished some sort of... That's a stereotype, too. Well... I mean, again... I mean, that's, like, that's the whole purpose of getting a diploma going to school, is that you you have some kind of proof that you've at least attended at the school, and supposedly you have proof that you okay. have a basic knowledge of certain skills. Now, let's bring this, bring this to recruiting. There's a reason the EEOC and the Supreme Court have stated that one does not have to have a, a GED. To be successful, number one, and it could be considered to be discriminatory to ask for a GED or any type of education when you're asking for a job. Are you, is that a law or that something that's being debated? Uh, absolutely. It's part of our EEOC. It, it can be considered systemic discrimination. If you Let me tell you, for example, I'm going to give you a lawsuit that happened with okay. a recruiting company not too long ago in Texas. Now, not too long ago could mean within a year. Okay, guys, please forgive me, all right? Mm. Company, I think it was in San Antonio, Texas. Please also correct me if I've chosen the city wrong, but it was in Texas. Uh, there was this these guys, this, this Hispanic worker, and uh, every he's kind of a transient. Every summer, he would go into this particular recruiting agency, get to work for a particular company, and I guess what he was doing was picking uh, some vegetation, okay? Yep. It was a hands job, all right? Obviously, you didn't need to have a GED to do this job. Right. And so they didn't turn around, and next time he comes in was a couple summers ago, and they said, hey, no, 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 you have to have your GED. He said, well, I never had to have that before. They said, nope, you do need it now. He said, heck no. He filed discrimination, and guess what? He won. So in that, so in that particular case, it was he won because it wasn't essential to that particular job. Um, actually, with what the Supreme Court said, and let me see if I can find that really fast, okay? Because I can actually quote this if I can find it. Well, I'll talk while I... Well, you know why you do that? I'll, I'll make another point. It's so bizarre to me, and, and, and I can say bizarre because I'm, I'm doing it myself. You go to any other country, like, when, like if you go to India or, or even Canada or some other country, people speak more than one language. They speak the official language, and they speak possibly a native language and something else. Mm-hmm. Now, the United States is the only country uh, that doesn't that's not required that you speak an additional language outside of English. Actually, it's kind of bizarre. You can't require you can't in America to require a person to speak only English. You cannot do that. No, I mean it's, no. I mean even if uh, if you had a, a law that said you must speak English and you must speak two other languages, then I could see that's that's kind of kind of bizarre, but. Uh, if you're in America, you have to speak English. I mean, you just don't to survive. Have to. I mean, not saying legally, uh-huh. but by law. 
I'm just saying that if you're in a community of English-speaking people, okay. you have to speak English to get a better uh, – reach your full potential, which you could do. Even if you stay in a community where English is, is downplayed, it's not that essential, how would you know that someone isn't going to cheat you uh, out of something if you don't, you haven't, don't speak the language? Same way that a blind man is going to also hope that when he's giving a person a $5 bill, he's really giving them a $5 bill and they're not going to cheat him. That's a lot of trust. I mean, you have to. I mean, that's, and that's unfortunately what happens. I mean, the thing is, I mean, a lot of people, and this is where a lot of things get kind of confused, and that's why the things that they, they try to protect, the people, what we call the ignorant or the people who don't have, you know, you know, because we do try to trust that people aren't going to help hurt us, right? Mm, yeah. Well, it's like what the e, the Supreme Court was saying, I mean, in regards to education, um, and not just education, all right, is that, when it's called something called systemic discrimination. Systemic discrimination. Right. That basically certain things can create a, a diverse a discrimination against a specific group or a specific race. Right. Um, and in, in our in regards to education, and especially in some cities and some states, you will find that, for example, blacks are less likely to graduate. In certain states. And certain cities. Certain cities, sorry. Okay. Some certain cities and certain states, it might be Hispanics. Right. Predominantly Mexicans. Right. Um, it is, and some certain cities and certain states, Asians, for example, have higher propensity for IT and certain jobs. Actual facts, okay? I'm not just saying this, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. And so here's what the Supreme Court stated in their total um, – and as the Supreme Court stated in one of its earliest interpretations of Title VII – Okay, this is discrimination. Yeah. History is filled with examples of men and women who rendered highly effective performance without the conventional badges of accomplishments in terms of certificates, diplomas, and degrees. Diplomas and tests are useful servants, but Congress has mandated that the common sense proposition that they are not to become masters of reality. So, Title VII provides that if a selection standard is shown to have a significant impact based upon race, the employer must demonstrate that the standard is job-related and consistent with business necessity. Thus, employers should be sure to measure the person for the job and not the person in the abstract. Now, a company could say, oh, my life's business reality necessity for a person to have a GED to fold, um, to, to make beds in hotels and restaurants. I mean, in hotels, okay? Right. Problem is, the bad's not going to speak to them. So that really isn't business necessity. So then they can say, well, I need to have them speak to so-and-so. Well, then, you know, what's reasonable accommodation? If they have a tremendous amount of people who are Hispanic, folding laundry, etc., and there is a person there who does speak English and Spanish, reasonable accommodation. Hmm. But isn't that an added expense for a company? Because, no, well, not really, because especially if you're in a his, let's say, for example, like in Utah, okay, right. or in other companies, if you are going to hire a tremendous number of people and, for example, again, the chances of you being able to hire someone that speaks English and Spanish is like high, especially like in California. Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, almost logical Right. that that's going to happen. Also in New York, a lot of Puerto Ricans there. Yeah, a few. Okay, and so out of that regards, yeah, business necessity states, that bed isn't going to care if that person speaks Spanish. 
And you can give that person directions in English as well as Spanish. It's not that hard to, you know, create the directions in paper and give it to them. That bed doesn't care. That chair doesn't care. The dishes don't care what language that person's speaking in. Right. So there comes business necessity. Business necessity with newbonics, for example, if I have a person speaking on the phone professionally all the time and they need to speak to people and this person is hard or difficult to understand, that's business necessity. So I don't really – so that means that I'm sorry you don't articulate very well. And I need you to be able to articulate professionally as a performance app. That's a minimum objective qualification. Then yes. So going back to this judge. So wait, so someone, so someone, so a company could say I didn't hire him because he could not speak well enough to do this job, and that person cannot come back and sue them for that. Oh well, no wait, slow down. That mean, but uh, that's only if the company made that initially an objective of their job. They better have put that as an initial objective of their job. They put in their job description that it is required that you speak uh, articulate, and articulate the Queen's English properly. Because because your job means that you're going to be on the phone consistently, yes. If your job isn't going to, is going to be talking to beds, no, it's not going to work. All right. So you as long see? as it's spelled out properly in a job description. And it better be related to the job. And it has to be related to the job. Yeah. That company is sort of somewhat protecting themselves from frivolous lawsuits from uh, potential Right. I mean, you artists. can't just automatically say, well, I need you to speak English right. because I want to. No, that's not going to work. Mm. You have to show just cause. Obviously, professionally, you're a professional company. The person spends 90% of their job doing A ah, perfect example is dial. I'll give you guys a case with OFCCP and dial, okay? Yep. Brilliant case to explain what we're talking about. Mm. Dial decided to go ahead. This is, this is the company. This is Dial Soap for people yeah. who don't know. Oh. Ladies said they wanted their individual women, especially predominantly, to be able to lift 50 pounds or more. Now, they decided this at random, and so they created this, te- this basically a physical test that if you couldn't lift 50 pounds or more, you could either be fired, terminated, or could not be hired from the position. Okay. Now, the job really didn't entail consistently, allegedly, what I heard, okay? So, again, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, but I'm going based upon hearsay, okay? The job did not entail that the individuals lift 50, 50 pounds or more on a consistent basis. Maybe that was like maybe 2 3% of their job, okay? So reasonable accommodation could be made right. for this, okay? So, and also, they never required this before. So why they did they throw it up there? They this job before doing that, right? So why did, how did they enter into the whole conversation of this? Well, OCP said, hey, you know what? This is systemic discrimination. You're discriminating against these women. And I said, but you know what? It's costing us money in workman's comp. These people are getting hurt on the job. Mm-hmm. Where the EOC said, look, that's not the really true nature of their job. You can make reasonable accommodation for certain people to be able to do that listing. Because it's, wow. like, it's not the majority of what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. And before, by the way, you hadn't made this a requirement. And these people were doing their job without this requirement. But they said... They're getting hurt on the job. It's making our workman's comp go up through the roof. And they said, nope, it's not a minimum objective qualification. Try make reasonable accommodation. You know, you give me a lot of food for thought and a lot of food for thought for, for our listeners. If you have any questions or comments about any of this uh, information that Karen and I have been ranting about, 
uh, for the past 30 minutes, feel free to send us an email. You can reach Karen at Karen at JimStroud.com or me at JimStroud at JimStroud.com. And also, in, in, incidentally, I did mention this at the beginning. I suppose I should have, but uh, JimStroud.com has changed. It is now TheRecruitersLounge.com. That's T-H-E, RecruitersLounge.com. Are we so, going to change our email address, too? You know, we probably will eventually, so yeah. But for now, they can still reach us at uh, the email addresses that I said before, Karen at JimStroud.com or JimStroud at JimStroud.com. So, hey, everybody, this one was a good one. Jim actually argued with me. <laughs> on the phone as opposed to just off the line like we normally Yeah, that is so cool. And you talked as well. Uh, on that note, we will talk to you later. Say bye-bye, Karen. Oh, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!